Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Listen to AM560, The Answer online at 560theanswer.com on the AM560 mobile app, on your Alexa-powered smart speaker, and on TuneIn, iHeart, and on Odyssey. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, 528,000 new jobs in July, according to the Department of Labor. Unemployment ticks down to 3.5%. Who's buying that? Uh, you know, it's all good. The market's uh, bouncing back. You've seen uh, a rally in the NASDAQ, and uh, uh, you know, obviously we're not in a recession, according to the Biden administration, and uh, we got a healthy economy, they say, and uh, everything uh, with respect to quantitative tightening, uh, to interest rate cutting anticipated next year is going according to plan. So it sounds like we have an administration that's sticking the landing based on uh, what the market feedback is, what the jobs number is. Happy days are here again. Yes. Woo. All this talk of green stagflation. What stagflation? For more on this, Jim Perry, Senior Vice President and Partner at Arbor Research, joins us. James, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, and good morning, Amy. Are you, uh, have you gone from bear to bull over the last uh, week? <laughs> Well, we've certainly had a good bull market in the stock market, and uh, I think that's making everybody happy. Uh, we've had a really, really good bounce in the last month or so, um, which has been very um, – it's been making the headlines, right? It's very um, very visible, which is great. Yeah. So, And then the, this jobs number, which uh, exceeded uh, street estimates, and that's a, that's a big number. Uh, so that's a good thing. I, I, we, we want people to work. So what does it all mean? Uh, the jobs number was good. Uh, 500,000 new jobs is terrific. Um, and um, I think it's going to get a lot of attention. Um, the employment report, by its very nature, um, demands a lot of attention. It's one number per month where you get an economic advisor on the lawn of the White House talking about it because the government really, you know, it's they're unlike the Fed or the market. The government wants uh, to talk about job creation and, and the good job that they're doing. So it gets a lot of attention. Um, I think the trend of, of employment in this country is slowing broadly, but uh, the last month and this summer, it's been very, very good. So that's uh, a good sign, and you'll hear some positive uh, reports out of the White House. The problem is not about jobs. I mean, there's a it's a tricky number, but, you know, the labor force participation rate, right, is 62.1%, and that's down from last month. That tells you is there's actually more people leaving the workforce than, than joining it. And um, that doesn't get the headlines, but it's really, it's really the trend in the market, right? So that's, that's something that economically you have to pay attention to. And I think um, part of that is that, expenses are just so high and the people that have worked and have assets don't really want to go into the big cities. So I think 
employment is good, the stock market being up is good, but the ac- macroeconomic backdrop behind the whole thing is deteriorating. So um, the market uh, doesn't not so interested in, in economic growth anymore. I feel like the Doctor Strange love of economics. I'm learning to love negative growth. It's it's all about the narrative, right? All <laughs> about the narrative. <laughs> well, it, it, this whole like yeah, we've had this little bounce, and it, it, everybody seems to be like, okay, let, we're you know this is this is all good, and things are going in the right direction. We've got two quarters of negative growth, and it's like yeah, no big deal. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, the economy is shrinking, and um, the reason for it is that real wages are falling. I mean, they've never been worse, and wages are dropping by 3 and 4 and 5% per quarter. Um, and it's not that people aren't working and they're not making money, minimum wages up and that sort of stuff. The problem is that um, inflation is just a crusher. It kills everything economically, and it is getting worse rather than better, and that's a big problem. Um it doesn't make the headlines very much, but, you know, the stock market's up in last month because the Fed policy really remains extremely accommodative, right? Um, CPI is at 9.1%. That's consumer prices. And at the wholesale level, level producers, prices are rising at 11.3%, right? And most of those prices are being passed on to the consumer, the guy that goes to the mobile gas station and fills up his tank and then picks up, uh, you know, a Coke and a, and a hot dog or something. And, and those prices are going up and, and disposable income at the household level is getting crushed. Well, and what about the housing market? I heard there's a little bit of relief if you signed, if you get a 30 year fixed mortgage rate. That's yeah. I mean, um, good news. the average mortgage rate in the country has come down to about 5% again. It was probably a little bit closer to six, probably mid-June when the 10-year Treasury was yielding at sort of 3.5%. Uh, the Treasury rally is really one of the reasons why the stock market has done well. Uh, Treasuries have rallied 70, 80 basis points from the worst levels in June, um, and that's translated directly into the mortgage market. The problem with that is that um, affordability in the housing market has gotten to the worst levels uh, in this cycle. And um, if you talk to real estate people, um, you know, traffic through houses that are for sale and, and, and houses that are uh, being transacted, existing home sales, are, are getting crushed. They're down 7 or 8% per month here in the last three or four months. So the housing market's expensive, and it will continue to be expensive in places where people want to live. Uh, you go down to Miami Beach or, you know, um, Austin, Texas, housing market's hot. But... Um, not very many other places. California is peaking and falling. Uh, New York is peaking and falling. Illinois is peaking and falling. Mm. Oil is peaking and falling. Uh, it's under 90 bucks a barrel, but that's still three times what it was when Biden took office. So uh, when do we see, in your estimation, relief at the pump? And, and then, of course, the larger question, when do we see inflation back to where it was when Biden took office, right. which is about a fifth of what it was when what it is pre- as exactly. present. Yeah. Uh, that's really the big question, right? When does inflation get back down to the Fed's target of 2%, right? And uh, it's tricky because we've had this, you know, unbelievably volatile period in the last two years where in 2019, just before the pandemic, the economy was actually falling into a recession in Q4, 2019. 
That's when the Fed did QE4, right? QE infinity. So the Fed's balance sheet gets up to $9 trillion, uh, because of $10 trillion worth of stimulus over the last sort of 24 months. And the big story is, you know, that's going to get unwound. The quantitative easing era is over, and the quantitative tightening era has begun, started in March with the first set Fed hike. The Fed is going to raise rates so inflation sees a meaningful downtrend toward its target of 2%. So interest rates are going up, and eventually – that's going to hurt stocks and housing. Well, and but 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 how much how much of that has been built into expectations? Uh, Boy, that's a good question too, Dan. Uh, I would say that um, the stock market has kind of looked across the valley through this trough, and I think the reason for it is the other real big question out there is you know will the Fed chairman will Jerome Powell have the fortitude to stay the course? To reduce inflation down to two percent, or does he capitulate? And the market's telling you he's going to capitulate, um, which isn't a bad bet because they tend to, right? But I think they're looking ahead a little bit further than um, they're getting ahead of themselves, as they say. And I think that um, the first thing you have to do going into the end of the summer and into the fall and the fourth quarter is you got to see about the three more rate hikes that are scheduled to come this year, right? You're going to get a rate hike um, probably 75 basis points um, on September 21st. And then the election, uh, just before the election on November 2nd, there's a Fed meeting and December 14th. So you've got three meetings, and the market expectation is that um, you're going to get at least 50 basis points, and that's come down from 150. So. I think at some point between here and the end of the year, you're going to get at least 50, if not 100 more basis points of tightening. And then you got to say, well, what does that do for expected earnings going forward? And what does that do for home prices? And what does that do for inflation? I think the market is telling you inflation is going to come down in three months. But the market always hopes for the best. I mean, in England, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the Bank of England hiked rates 50 basis points yesterday. That's because their CPI number came in at 9.4%. Mm-hmm. And unlike the Fed and some other central banks, they actually forecast that by October, consumer prices in England will be 13.3%. So everybody thinks inflation's peaking, and they've been thinking about transitory inflation for a year and a half or two years. And now they're talking about peaking inflation. And I think the optimism toward that is 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 purely hope, you know, and I don't know if that's an investment strategy. So I think I really want to watch these inflation figures. We're going to get them next week, right? CPI comes out on Wednesday. Um, Maybe it's peaked. I hope it has. But, you know, with this energy crisis that's going on in Europe, I mean, I don't know. Here's a really quick point for you. I know we don't have a a ton of time, but I was looking at natural gas prices, which is, you know, 40% of what we use in energy comes from natural gas here now. And Natural gas prices in this country um, are about $8 per unit, right? I'm not going to get into the unit thing, but it's about $8 per unit. That same unit in Europe is $200, right, in dollars, right? So this is about transporting energy to places where it's needed, where it's not coming from Russia anymore. And Mm -hmm. I think 
to, to assume that that's going to disappear anytime soon is pure folly. And uh, the Fed may be tightening. The federal government is not, of course. They never do. So this, uh, this latest uh, scaled-down Green New Deal gambit, uh, $750 billion in subsidies and, and, uh, and, and you know, transfer payments to bureaucracies and so forth. Uh, what, what sort of impact does the continued spend on the fiscal side of the House have on the reduction in inflation, the Fed policy? Well, I'm not sure it does anything for inflation. I mean, it seems to me, and I'm not a policy expert, but um, just reading through the analysis that I've seen over the last week or two on this, it just seems like another tax and spend story that doesn't affect inflation or growth whatsoever. Except negatively. Except potentially negatively. And it it doesn't affect it in a positive way, right? Right. When you're transferring wealth, that means you're moving more money to the non-productive sectors of the economy from the productive, which means slower growth and slower wage growth and slower job growth. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it's, uh, it evades the understanding of some. It's uh, a frustrating thing. James Perry, Senior Vice President and Partner at Arbor Research. Jim, thanks as always. Appreciate your insights. You bet, Dan. Thanks very much. Have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. 